Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Boo! <laughs> it's Halloween, and you got Doc Holliday's Tea Party right here. I'm your host, Ed Holliday. We're glad to have you back. And we got a show packed in. This is the Halloween week. And I, I tell you, the scariest thing out there is the fact that if we don't get out there and work, President Barack Obama may be reelected next year. I'm telling you, I had one of those 3 o'clock in the morning calls. You know, the phone calls they talked about and the ads between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama in 2008. Well, I literally had a 3 o'clock in the morning message. It was given to me by my young six-year-old daughter. She had had a bad dream. I'm telling you, everybody in a tea party needs to have a bad dream, have a wake-up call, because this is getting serious. Now's the time if we are going to get conservatives in positions of power and get the far left out, you've got to listen to today's show. We're going to show you how, tell you what it's going on, and how it's happening even now. So listen to today's show, and let me tell you what we got coming up. Anita Moncrief. Do you know who she is? She's the lady that blew the whistle on Acorn and helped bring Acorn down. All right, she is on our show today. So she'll be getting an interview here in just a few minutes. We'll give her a call. And we also have this week's Rock of Liberty speech. I went to a conference in Washington, D.C. Had nothing to do with the Tea Party but it had everything to do with America. I'm going to be telling you about that. Now, Tombstone of the Week Award. You don't want to miss the Tombstone of the Week Award because it goes to the words of Bill Maher. We'll just have, you have to hear what he had to say about one of the presidential candidates. We'll have that in a few minutes. And now, I want to tell you about some news items. We're going to hit about books. You know, Doc Holliday has his own new book coming out in a couple of weeks. So hold on your hat. And uh, go ahead and you go to the website and check it out. But somebody else is selling a lot of books. And the United States government is paying for them. Find out who. We'll talk about that in a news item. And we'll also be talking about some of the things that are happening in the presidential race. So stay tuned. Here we go. I tell you one thing I just thought about when Herman Cain said he was like the ice cream man. Well, I'm telling you, uh, you know, they said he was a flavor of the month. Well, this is the song, I think. Herman Cain singing. Rock on, Herman. Well, nothing like a little bit of Van Halen to get you, <laughs> to get you fired up here in the, uh, the last week of October. In fact, the last day is Halloween. You may be listening to this as November has started, but this is the week of Halloween. And the scariest thing in my mind is to have a nightmare, the, the fact that on uh, November of 2012, Barack Obama is reelected to the presidency of the United States. It's up to you. And me, we're getting it done. We're getting it happen. I'll tell you what's going on this week. 
If you don't have anything else to do, get yourself down to Daytona Beach on November 4th, 5th, and 6th. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, all you tea partiers down there, I will be there. I'll have a booth there where you can see Doc Holiday. You can check out. I'll have some information about the new book coming out called Doc Holiday's Rock Splitting Politics, Tea Party versus the Status Quo. You could also go to my website right now. Check it out, www.teaparty.ms. Check out, uh, you can see the cover. Some, you read the first chapter. So we're getting things together to get a kickoff sometime here in the next two or three weeks with a new book. So let me tell you what else is going on. In the news items, we got, uh, I told you about, there's somebody else other than Doc Holliday selling books. He's been selling them for a while. But what do you think about this? There's somebody out there selling a book, and his name is President Barack Obama. But, you know, he's not just selling them in the stores. Get this. Uh, according to Times, U.S. embassies have spent upwards to $70,000 buying copies of the president's books to stock, quote, key libraries around the world. My goodness, what great information all the world's libraries are getting from the United States government. Can you believe that? We're spending money on President Barack Obama's books to send them to libraries. The dreams of my father and the audacity of hope, and they listed it on the federal database as the authority of hope. Did they do it on purpose? Or are they trying to slide something in? I don't know. But now you can go to libraries in South Korea, Indonesia, Egypt, and France, and you can get your copy of Barack Obama's book to read about. And it was paid for by the United States government. I know it's a drop in a bucket. He's making a lot of money selling his books. But to have the State Department to buy his books, well, give them to him. Come on, Mr. President, give them to him. All these rich folks that occupy Wall Street and you're making money and you're charging the American taxpayer to send your book to countries around the world and libraries. I, you know, get the Democratic National Committee to send the books. My goodness. I, that's something about that's just not right. Somebody write the White House and tell them if they want to send out the audacity hope, then they better pick Doc Holliday's rock-splitting politics and put it side-by-side side to neutralize what, what that far-left book that comes out of his hands is. <laughs> okay, uh, let's get on with the news items. We're having a good time here, but we got to move on. There's a, another thing I want to tell you about. Where's America's Jobs .com. Uh, you know, that's one of our sponsors, wheresamericasjobs.com, and the guy that put that up, a brilliant guy. I heard him this past week when I was in Washington. He was speaking at the Heritage uh, Foundation, and he did a great speech. We're going to get him on the radio here in the next couple weeks, uh, so be listening up. His name is Robert Estes. Check out his website called wheresamericasjobs.com. And now in the other news items, we have to talk about the presidential race. Smoking? <laughs> Did you see Herman Cain's new ad? Had people saying, is it a hoax? What are they doing? What in our world? Who would have thought, why do you do that, Herman Cain? Well, those are the words getting out. But, you know, hey, the day that Rick Perry brought out his uh, uh, flat tax plan and Herman Cain wanted in the news, he got in the news. Uh, it's It's sort of... This contest for the Republican nomination is taking turns no one expected. Anybody would have told you 
that we'd be where we are now with no clear front runner, I, they, they would have predicted uh, something else or someone else. So we are still in the middle of a molding time. And the Tea Party folks, like I told you last week, and go back and listen to the Rock of Liberty speech, it is up to us. We must decide who the Republican nominee will be. There's going to be rhinos. There's going to be a lot of money in establishment Republicans who are not going to like the Tea Party candidates because they don't have their thumb. They're not under their thumb, as Mick Jagger might say. Uh, I got to tell you that we have got to stay together. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I don't know who will get behind whom. But I know this, that we got to stick together. If we don't want a moderate, you know what happened to the last moderate? His name was John McCain. We know what happened. He got clobbered in the general election. So we got to get a conservative in. This is the year. Get excited. Get out there. Let's let the fire hit every one of these candidates. Let's see who holds up under the pressure. Everybody's going to make mistakes. My goodness, we've seen in the polls that Herman Cain has Stayed steady and grown in the pose, and he made some big gaffes. But let's get our arm around each person. If it's Michelle, uh, Michelle Bachman, if it's uh, uh, Newt Gingrich, we got to go through these candidates. And I'm, you can name the others. Rick Perry, oh, he shot himself in both feet. <laughs> Had to do the Texas two-step and see if he can get back in his race. Maybe he can. But I'm telling you, we got to get a strong candidate and all of these shooting and fighting each other, it's going to make them stronger. The press will make fun of it, but they're scared to death. And you know why they're scared? Well, let me go right into this week's Rock of Liberty speech, and I'm going to tell you why they're scared, because this is what's happening. Uh, I just said Rock of Liberty speech. Let's, let's go into the Tombstone of the Week Award speech. This is the paper I want. Tombstone of the Week Award goes to someone. I don't know. Somebody call him a comedian. I don't know what he is. Bill Maher. Uh, but this is what he said. And these are the words that get this week's Tombstone of the Week Award from Doc Holliday. Uh, let's see. This is what he said when he was on there with a couple other folks. Bill Maher said this on his show. I think people have been reluctant to call Herman Cain dumb and an idiot like Sarah Palin because they're afraid that people will say it's because you're racist. Mar surmised, I'm not racist. I think he's dumb. I think he's really dumb. He got more and more ridiculous after that. That is sickening to me. If President Barack Obama was called dumb by the Tea Party, what do you, what do you get called? You get called a racist. I don't want racist comments coming up. But when Bill Maher goes to an African-American and says, People are holding back because he's black, but he's just plain dumb. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Now, Herman Cain made some gaps and gets stumbled, but when you take a man that's been a mathematician to help uh, put missiles in the air, to help line up where missiles go, and then went on and, and made a great success in running companies and turning companies around, and you call him dumb? Bill Maher, look in a mirror. If you want to see what, <laughs> I, I think the word dumb means, you just go look in a mirror, Bill Maher. Why people watch his show, I don't know. I guess he makes millions. I just don't understand that. But we're going to see more and more of that. They will, whoever is the front runner becomes, they will tag him with being dumb, anti-intelligent. That's the word they love to use, anti-intelligent. 
I'm telling you, the left is scared to death because they're throwing everything, and now they don't care anything about Herman Cain. If this, back in 2008, the press was all giddy because the first African-American might be the nomin nominee of the Democratic Party. They got all giddy about Barack Obama. Did not give him any questions that were other than softball questions. And we now we have... The first time in history, we can make new history. The first time we could have an African-American president run against an African-American in another party. It should be history, uh, and all the press should be praising it and saying, look at this, look what we have. A possibility, a potential of two African-Americans running for the president of the United States, but of two major parties. Not a word have I heard on any stations about that. Forget the history. They are shaking in their boots because they are scared to death that their left wing liberal agenda is going to come to a halt and they're scared to death and that's good but we got to keep the scare on them folks we got to keep the scare on them and we have got to make sure that we get united and work together it's not time to say this is the candidate we got to get behind but you make sure that we work together to get a conservative tea party listener as a nominee of the Republican nomination because we have got to get it pushed all the way through and we got to make sure we get the liberals out of the Senate and get the liberals out of the House and let's turn this nation around. Oh, man, we got so much to talk about. But that's this week's Tombstone of the Week Award. It goes to the words of Bill Maher, and uh, they're disgusting, absolutely disgusting, to take a man who's worked his whole life and shown intelligence and just work to, to lead companies and give people jobs. In this day and age, we got a president of the United States that's killing the job market and Bill Maher, some kind of far-left critic here, calling Herman Cain anti-intelligent, the man who knows how to make jobs, who's proven he knows how to make jobs, and he's getting called anti-intellectual. Ha, ha. Uh, I think Bill Maher has got a problem with African Americans who are conservative. It looks like that. Black conservatives, uh, it looks like Bill Maher has a problem with them. Is it the color of their skin? Well, let's ask Bill Maher. But I'm telling you one thing for sure, that we have got an intelligent uh, candidate in Herman Cain. And like I said over and over, any of those eight candidates in the Republican uh, Party's nomination run, any of them would be ten times better than what we got in the White House now. Somebody that can understand how to make jobs. And somebody that does know how to make jobs, and she knows about jobs, because she had one of ACORN, and she saw some illegal activities going on. Her name is Anita Moncrief, and she's going to be coming on in just about 60 seconds. But before she comes on, let me remind you, you can check out my new book that will be coming out very, very soon at... at uh, www.teaparty.ms that's Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics Tea Party versus the Status Quo a book you don't want to miss you don't want to put down once you start reading and you can read the first chapter at www.teaparty.ms and make sure if you're around in the Florida area get down to Daytona Beach on uh, November 4th, 5th and 6th and come by the booth there at the Florida State Tea Party Convention, first ever, you need to be a part of history. Presidential candidates will be there. Senator candidates will be there from Florida. So make sure you're there. Don't let me uh, forget to tell you that we will soon be having sometime in the next two or three weeks the 
creator of wheresamericasjobs.com. So go to the website and check that out, Robert Estes of wheresamericasjobs.com. And I want you to remember, you're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holliday. You're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. So glad to have you. And now let's listen to what Anita Moncrief has to say. Now we got on Doc Holliday's Tea Party, Anita Moncrief. And uh, Anita is uh, founder of Boots of Liberty. That's, uh, they call it Boat. And Anita, you've come into conservative politics by means that a lot of people don't come through. You used to work for an organization called ACORN. Is that correct? Yes, that is true. And uh, Anita, just tell me a little bit, um, how long did you work for ACORN? I was with them from uh, October of 2005 to um, January of 08. And um, even after I left in January, I still participated in a number of marches and events and uh, was active with the organization until August of 2008. Well, and during that time of uh, working with uh, the Akron group, what, tell us some of the things you saw that just uh, caused you to uh, blow the whistle on Acorn. Well, when I got there in 2005, one of my first duties was to investigate the allegations arising from the 2004 elections. Now, most people will remember that uh, there was a, a huge anti-Bush sentiment going across the country. George Soros had spent millions of dollars to get John Kerry elected. And out of that came a massive voter registration drive, unlike any that uh, the organization had ever seen. Uh, there were accusations of fraud in at least nine states, Missouri, uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, Florida, on and on. And what kind and of I fraud was, were you talking about? Fraud on, uh, uh, say, the Republican side or Democrat side? Or, I mean, what, what were you actually uh, looking into? I was looking into the um, allegations that Acorn had committed fraud. Oh, okay. And what I found is that they did uh, they did a lot of voter registration fraud. Uh, there were nine. Uh, there were like maybe ten employees in Missouri that were arrested for voter registration fraud. Anything from regi- registering dead people to vote, falsifying voter registration uh, applications, or just going down the phone book and just picking names and writing in fake social security numbers and submitting them. So um, at first I thought, okay, these are just some bad employees doing this. But it seems like every employee, no matter what state they were from, had been trained to do the same thing. And along the way, I found out that Acorn was not only trying to get Democrats on the rolls, but they were also being paid per card. So if they turned in 1.3 million voter registration cards, it didn't matter that half of them were fraudulent and bad cards. They still were able to raise $28 million for their voter registration drives. $28 million per cycle. That's a lot of money. And it is. And and, and where did most of that money come from? Uh, Left-wing organizations? Or or where did they get their funding most of their funding came from left-wing organizations like the Tides Foundation, the Bauman Family Foundation, Herb and Marion Sandler. The Sandlers are notorious. They brought down Wachovia Bank with mm. a series of bad loans that they pushed off on Wachovia that were uh, adjustable rate mortgages. They were like the king of adjustable rate mortgages. Wow. And uh, Glenn Beck did a uh, two-part series on the Sandlers about a year ago that exposed just how corrupt they really were. But they've been funding ACORN in the millions. And uh, was any government money involved in ACORN? Or do you, do you... 
I now, with the ACORN that. itself, there was a lot of government money involved that they were getting through a number of grants that came from community revitalization grants. They were getting grants to go into schools, all types of different uh, money coming in through the um, affiliates. ACORN itself was one big um, organization that had all of these affiliate organizations that were tied to what I like to call the mothership. So yeah, they were 501c3 nonprofits, so they were getting tax-exempt tax money and grants, and then they were funneling that money back to the main ACORN that was using it for political purposes. So oh, there was okay. always government and taxpayer yeah. dollars tied up in everything that was going on with the organization. And when you started seeing this, what, how did that make you feel about the organization? Well, at first, um, as a rabid liberal, I'm just going to be honest, right. I was a little disturbed at first, but I realized that in order to stay there and do the things that we were doing, part of it was it was the whole thing about the ends justify the means. We were doing it for the movement, and that's what mattered. So when I first got there, the longer I stayed there, the more I started to believe that we were doing the right thing and that we were trying to stop, you know, end poverty and stop the oppression of people and blah, blah, blah. All the lofty things that you think when you're 25 years old and you're trying to get out there and save the world. But right. the more you stay there, and the, I have a little joke that I tell people. They say okay. if you stay at Acorn longer than a year, you get a gold watch. Because <laughs> most people don't last that long. And the more I stayed oh, there, the more they trusted me. And I got to really see what was going on. Wow. Well, now, what, what you just said is something on, on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. We've talked before about as we go on and on with the far-left politics, we're going to begin to pick up more and more disillusioned liberals. Would you call yourself a disillusioned liberal? As far as oh, extremely disillusioned. I could never go back there again because I, all of the corruption and the things that I found out about what it took to be a Democrat, I didn't want to be that kind of Democrat. Growing up in Alabama, it was Jesus and JFK. Those are the two pictures on my wall mm -hmm. at home growing up. And those are not the, the Democrats that my grandfather and my grandmother who raised me taught me were, you know, to love. That was not how I was raised. But it, coming up as a Democrat, I felt beholden to the party, and that was the party I was supposed to vote for. It was only after I started seeing the way we were going that I realized this was something totally different. Well, we now, never used the word socialism at Acorn, but everything we did was to push that end goal that was socialism. You know, Anita, your story is giving hope to a lot of conservatives to think that if you just keep putting the truth out there, some people will actually see the light. And, and you, you saw the darkness of what was going on, and you actually saw the light. And is there one moment or one time that all of a sudden you said, hey, this, you know, I, I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. Yeah, and that's exactly, and the funny thing is, that's exactly how it happened for me is that, but it took Obama himself to do it. Uh, okay. Even after tell, tell me I, about that. How, how did that happen? Tell me that story. Even after I tried to expose ACORN, I had went to the New York Times, and the New York Times refused to run with the story about uh, what was going on with this ACORN. This was during the election, is that right? Yes, this was right before the election. I had worked with them as a confidential informant from July of 08 until October of 08. And right two weeks before the election, I w they had a story that showed that the Obama campaign was coordinating with ACORN. Now, my whole purpose in putting this out, because I still voted for Obama, I was still a rabid Democrat, okay. uh, was that I thought that if I stopped ACORN, Obama would be able to do a great job. But I knew that as long as ACORN was involved, they were going to try to push their agenda on top of what he was doing. 
So you were so, a real believer in Obama at the time in 2000. Oh, yes. That whole hope and change, I really fell for it. And the right. funny thing is, I didn't start out as an Obama supporter. I started out as a Hillary supporter. Okay. I only came over to Obama's side after the primaries. But once I did, I was fully on board to getting him elected. I wrote a blog. I remember writing a blog post about going to uh, vote on election day with my daughter, and I was, you know, proud of my country because I felt like, as a country, race, you know, with Obama coming in, race wasn't going to matter. Right. And of course, that wasn't what happened. Uh, that lasted until about January of '09. Okay, it was before. I'm sorry. I, I'm just saying. Yeah, January of '09. It didn't last long, did it? No, not at all. Even before he was inaugurated. Obama started to pick his cabinet, and I was looking at people like Hilda Solis, who he picked for Secretary of Labor, and I knew that she was connected to an organization that their only goal was to push card check. I looked at uh, Kathleen Sebelius as Health and Human Services Secretary, and I had been involved in planning events where Kathleen Sebelius came to D.C. to uh, meet with Andy Stern to to plot how they were going to pass universal health care. I was there at that meeting. Um, Leon Panetta has socialist and communist ties and he has ties to ACORN and these were, and he was the CIA director. These were the people he was picking. So it occurred to me in my brain, finally, that you could not be a good guy if everybody you were picking were socialist criminals and that's who was building up your cabinet. So that's when I was like, I'm through, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And I didn't want to become a Republican because Republican has a bad stigma in my community. So yes. I became an ex-liberal. Okay, an ex-liberal. Okay. And that was Anita Moncrief. And hey, we are not going to stop because you're going to hear the rest of her story next week on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. So hold on your hats for next week. Wow. And as she tell you, we got an inside view of what was going on in Acorn. And a couple of nuggets there is number one, Acorn was not ashamed to, to, to be doing illegal activities. And did you catch it when she said if someone stayed of Acorn over a year, they were, it was ridiculed it was like they would get a gold watch and laugh because not many people would last long. And I would suspect Acorn did not want people to last long because that's what finally brought them down when Anita Moncrief saw, even though she was a true believer at the time in the liberal policies and what was going on, when she saw all the nonsense and illegal activities. And did you hear what she had to say? What really turned her off on President Obama was knowing the socialist, communistic, uh, far-left connections of these people that he placed in positions of power. And those were just the few, but she said she was even there in some of the meetings when uh, some of the liberal decisions were being made. So uh, my hat's off to Anita Moncrief for doing what I predicted last year even on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. If you go back and listen, remember I said that we would have disillusioned liberals joining the Tea Party. The Boots of Liberty. (laughs) The Boots of Liberty that she talks about her group is a Tea Party group. It has happened. It's true. It's and that's not the only one. Anita's not the only one. So come back next week. Click on and make sure you hear the second half of Anita Moncrief's uh, interview, and we'll have that playing for you. But now it is time for this week's Rock of Liberty speech, and I got to tell you a story. This story starts when. 
I was uh, flying to D.C. for a meeting, and it's not a Tea Party meeting. I've done so much of the Tea Party, but I continue to work with racial reconciliation, working with uh, African-American pastors and others. And, and I know I work with a lot of people who aren't necessarily conservative, and they don't particularly care about me being in a Tea Party. Some, But we can respect all people, and that's one thing I would like to do on Doc Holliday's Tea Party is remind you that some people do come around just like Anita. And, and that's why we need to be respectful. And you're not going to win everybody over, but there's the time to shout. There's the time to get upset. And you've heard me do that on this show. I've gotten upset, got my, uh, gotten riled up. But when you're talking to someone who is intelligent, you don't have to raise your voice. But you can put out the truth. And that's what we need to be doing. And as Tea Party conservatives, we need to put out the truth. And I'm telling you, there will be a time to get fired up. You know it. <laughs> you know here at Doc Holliday's Tea Party, there are times to get fired up. If you don't know that, if you're a new listener, go back and listen to some of the archive shows. But there is a time and place, just like that uh, quote out of the Bible, out of Ecclesiastes, there's a time and purpose for everything under heaven, a season for it. And the season right now is getting people involved, those who've never been involved in politics. It's time to start now. We can't wait to next November. We're building the bases, building networks, and whoever we can get. We've got to get a conservative nominee, but we have got to start now. And that means you go out and get your neighbors and get them involved, those who are like-minded. And like I said before, get somebody to run. If there's nobody to run against a far-left liberal that's in Congress, if there's, you think you can't raise money, I don't care. Get out there and get your name on the ballot. It's for the whole country. And some of you out there, some people are going to say, it's no way you can win in a liberal district. You can't raise money. I'm telling you, some good things are happening. That's why I wrote the book, Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. This is a time like none other. And I've told you before, and you know, if you listen to this show, there's a, such thing that I'm calling the American 70-year itch in politics. You've heard me talk about it. If you hadn't, go back and listen to the show or in the archives or or uh, buy the book, Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. Order it now at www.tparty.ms. But I'm telling you that some people out there that want to be in Congress, if they're willing to fight and work hard and start knocking on doors right now, I'm telling you some of you are going to be liberals that will have people's jaws dropping wide open. There's the treasurer, the state treasurer of the state of Ohio, Hardest working politician I know. He looks like he's probably just a day over 19, but he's in his 30s. United States Marine. Went to uh, Iraq and got a state representative and went back to Iraq for another tour. He got elected, re-elected to state representative in Ohio, and then he ran for a statewide office of treasurer. He got it. Man, what a uh, state treasurer, Mandel. And I'm telling you, what he has done is, uh, is, is simply amazing when you hear about how he knocks on every door. <laughs> he would knock on every door in his district. He would not slow down. He worked hard, and people 
who didn't like his politics. They admired his perseverance and his stamina. And I'm telling you, you just go and check out what he did. You get encouraged because you can do it. You can run and you can get in there. This is the story I'm telling you. There's stories out there that people got involved and people would run for office and, and people would say, how did they ever win? How could they win? You can win when you get on strong conservative values, get people to back you up and get up and make a difference in this world, make a difference in this country, make a difference by making sure these humpty dumpty politicians don't get back in office. Let's tip them over and watch them fall and there's eggshells of the liberal lies will crack open just like Anita Moncrief told us about acorn acorn cracked over like the egg it is they're trying to rebuild it in different ways gonna try to bring the mothership back well, just like Luke Skywalker blew the Death Star apart I'm telling you you can get out there and no matter what happens, the liberals are going to try to merge together and get another mothership like Acorn. We're going to we see it in the Occupy Wall Street. And talking about why Occupy Wall Street, yes, some of you told me you didn't like my Rock of Liberty speech last week. But I'm not supporting Occupy Wall Street. I'm saying we can get behind them. When I see a sign go up that says, bring down the president, bring him down, <laughs> then you'll know Occupy Wall Street is not just being paid by George Soros. I haven't seen those signs, have you? So I didn't say we need to get behind Occupy Wall Street. What I said was that we can join them if they'll help take out everybody in power. Let's say, throw them all out. Let's get them all out. We'll lose some of ours, but if we get every one of theirs out, I'll, I'll take that swap in a second and get some Tea Party folks in. And that's what I meant for last week's Rock of Liberty speech to combine with this week's Rock of Liberty speech to make sure you get fired up because some of you out there listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party are meant to run for office. And now's the time to be getting everything together. Know when the deadline is to announce and get in there. Don't let any liberal anywhere in the United States of America run unopposed. Get in there and fight for what's right, justice and peace and all the prosperity that we can get together by getting conservative principles of value into the highest offices in the land. That's from the president on down, all the way to the local level. It's up to you and me. We're doing it together, going out, and making sure that we can make this country a country like it's never been before, as we go back and stand on the United States Constitution with all the modern technology we have, let's have the beauty of freedom, liberty, don't tread on me. Four words, beautiful words. Let's say them one more time. Don't tread on me. Hope to see you at the Florida State uh, Tea Party Convention next week. We'll have the second part of Anita Moncrie's uh, interview we have got some things just loading up in the agenda so listen to doc holiday's tea party every week and make sure you link it to your friends tell your friends about it that's why we're growing because of you i thank you the listeners new listeners thank you so much keep clicking on go back in the archives and next week we'll have another great show on doc holiday's tea party 
Thanks for joining us today, and remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You can order Ed's book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide, from the Boston Tea Party to today's Tea Party Revolution, by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.